Welcome to Real Wealth, Real Health, the show that empowers you with insights, information, and inspiration to achieve your version of financial wellness. Learn how to balance living a full life today with planning for the future. This podcast is brought to you by Alpha Investing, a real estate-centric private capital network that provides exclusive investment opportunities to its members. And now, here are your hosts, Ada Piedrico and Daniel Coca. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Real Wealth, Real Health. Our guest today is Robin Binkley. Robin is the co-founder of Real Equity Investment Partners. She is a professional real estate investor who has a deep desire to make positive change in the world, especially for women. Her experience in real estate investing includes single-family homes, multifamily syndication, international acquisitions, developments, and other passive income-generating assets. In our conversation, we talk about investing abroad and what Robin has learned about real estate in Belize, where she is focused now on a new workforce housing development after buying a vacation property through a flagship brand. If you've ever wondered about buying or investing in other countries, you'll enjoy this conversation as we walk through the fundamentals of investing, no matter where, as well as the nuances and technicalities inherent in different countries and their cultures and laws. Robin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you. I am glad to be here. This is an amazing opportunity and I'm excited to share what I'm involved in. Yeah. And, and you are, you're involved in a lot. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is that you are a full time real estate investor and you invest in, you syndicate, you do Mm -hmm. a lot of development, you invest in the U S and you've started to invest abroad, which I know is a topic that people are really interested in myself included. And so I really wanted to dive into your journey as a full-time investor And what led you into looking at developments, which are considered riskier, let's say, than maybe just buying like a stabilized cash flowing multifamily in like a gateway city in the U.S. But the benefits that have come with that, that are, it sounds like in in chatting with you a lot more than financial. So Yeah. yeah. So maybe just to get started, just give us a sense of like how you got to where you are today. Like what was, you always speak to this and I love it so much is like your why and how that's driven you forward. Yes. The why, you know, so let me just start with that. I was not crystal clear on my why when I started my journey. And so that has evolved through the years. And so a little bit about how I got started how I got started in the field of investing about 20 plus years ago, my husband and I began really just voraciously reading books, attending seminars, you know, all kinds of, you know, information that's out there and just kind of began feeding our minds. We didn't really take action on anything that we had learned about for a lot of different reasons until about seven years ago. And I probably relate to most people, my background was in healthcare. I ran nursing homes for 24 years. And so I worked, my husband worked and had an engineering firm here in the Houston, uh, Texas market. And we have three busy kids. So we were both really busy with our careers, 
really busy with really busy children. And they were all involved in different things simultaneously going on at the same time. And so we were running in a lot of different directions and I felt robotic. I felt like, my God, is this it? But this is my life. And then it was like, you know, let's really do some of the things we had talked about. And we started out in single family homes, which is an easy place to start. And so I have a handful of those. And then my husband began buying the real estate under his businesses, under the engineering firms that we have here in Texas and different in different cities. And so that was a really smart move is sort of the McDonald's theory. And then from there, we got involved in some self-storage facilities and began investing in a couple of those. And you know, it's sort of the world of investing kind of begins to kind of you move forward as you get a little more comfortable in one area, you learn about something else. And then you kind of learn more from your mistakes than your, than your wins, honestly. And so that's, that's exactly what happened for us. And you also get a little more educated and you realize that your team and your team includes your accountant, you need attorneys, Um, You need financial advisors, all of those people that help support you because you're growing a business, you're growing a real estate investment business. You began learning what you need and what's not a good fit anymore. Our traditional accountant really was not what we need. If we brought questions, that would be great, but we needed somebody to ask us questions and kind of help navigate some of that. So we began building our team and then that moved us into the world of syndicating. And two years ago, I did not even know what syndication meant. I never even heard the term. And so that kind of moves you into a space of who's your network? Who are you hanging out with? What mastermind groups are you involved in? What seminars are you going to? And we began hearing this, you know, word and this jargon. And it was like, okay, what is that? Well, that's using other people's money to to really buy bigger deals and be involved in bigger deals and become a general partner in bigger deals. And so that allowed us to actually close on our first multifamily property. It's a 200 door multifamily property in Atlanta, Georgia, this past February. So that's really kind of how that transpired. But in the middle of that, we were traveling internationally. We love to travel. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a good deal of time in probably seven, eight years. We, you know, we're kind of going back and forth and we're scuba divers. And so we really love to go where, you know, the water's beautiful and, you know, it felt a little off the grid right. back then. And that's not even been that long. And so that got us considering, well, gosh, we've never jumped into the world of international investing. What would that look like for us? Right. And so actually right before COVID, we, went on this explore Belize, look at properties on, on um, the island and kind of see where investment recommendations might be made. And so we did that. And what we were seeing is that what rents there on the island of Ambergris Key is a lot of uh, one bedroom, one bathrooms. Like you'll have 
a group of four people go and statistically you would see a couple of years ago where that was like the highest rental recommendation. So we thought, okay, we're coming down here frequently enough. Let's consider, let's consider buying one of those, but we didn't, we ended up going um, against recommendation and we elected to get involved in a, in a project that was being built and we invested in a, a three-bedroom, three-bathroom there uh, with one of the major brands that has hit the island, the Marriott, and it's the Alaya Belize there. And so we got involved in that project and with that developer. And let me just make sure I'm very clear. I mean, we're just, we're an owner. We're not, we weren't involved in the actual development of that project. But what we did do is we were able to see from the ground up within a very short period of time, how you can actually get a project project started on an island and get a project finished and see that a project is actually cash flowing. So that was very exciting to be a part of all of that. So from that, I would say we've spent a great deal of time in that community and kind of fell in love with the people. The people of Belize have amazing hearts and they're just really solid. And we just really liked the culture and so we began looking at how we've been so blessed with so much and have had just incredible people kind of allow us to get involved in different projects. We thought really kind of how can we give back to that community? So we, we are involved in a development project there where it's really focused on workforce housing. Because when you begin to look at the housing for locals there, it's really very poor conditions. I mean, you know, homes are on like bricks, doors are open, there might be, you know, a sheet or something hanging as the door. I mean, it's a very, very rustic in some components of that island. And then you'll, you'll see housing that just is, looks like something that might have a front door and that is very tiny and is just, you know, not, not okay. It's not an okay place to live. So honestly, our heartstrings were pulled and we just felt like this was something that we wanted to do. Real estate is so expensive there, but we were able to partner with a developer who is incredibly uh, connected and just has some of the same why as we do. You know, it's your why that really sets your trajectory at appeal on your investments. And so our why for that project is different than our why on some other projects that we're involved in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, and you've transitioned so much in, Mm -hmm. in all of these years. And so I think it's, it's a really important point about the, the different why, and also different goals and different times in our lives. Because when you started, like most people start with single family, because it's easy to understand. It's like the gateway drug into real estate. And for some people, it's enough to have a couple of those. They don't mind managing them. Then, then it goes from there. And, And then the more you learn, the more you realize, I feel like your capability Like Mm -hmm. you gain confidence in your ability and capacity to do things. And then, and then it's like, well, what about this? And then what about that? Like you didn't start investing in a development in Belize first, 
I mean, (laughs) like you, you got there over time because there's that learning curve and that comfort. And I feel like by the time you're getting into development abroad, to me, this is my personal opinion. You got to know what you're doing, especially if you're going to invite other people to invest, like Mm -hmm. as stewards of capital, like that's a big, that's a big deal to, 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 to bring forward an opportunity that inherently is higher risk or can be considered to be higher risk. Obviously there's different risks abroad than, than here and, and different returns and also different, different benefits. But yeah, I I think that's, I think it's really important points. And, and I hope that for those listening that, that, that really comes, that, that really comes through that there's that also that track record. I think that's like the word that we would use like at at Mm -hmm. alpha, like that's an important word. And Mm-hmm. Real estate investors know like somebody's track record. There is no magic bullet. It's your track record. Like that's it. <laughs> right, right. And you know, it, from a personality standpoint, I will tell you that my husband and I with our syndication business, which is called REAP, Real Equity Investment Partners, we love lifestyle investing. And so we love to travel. And, you know, I think it's important to, to recognize that in this day and age in traveling, airfare destinations, everything you do is exponentially expensive and becoming even more so, you know, but people are still traveling. And we have seen with the shift with COVID, when travel began opening up again, there was a lot more travel within the United States, you know, because there were restrictions People didn't want to go get a COVID test before traveling. People didn't want to wear masks on an airplane. Now that's, you know, changed. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why with a lot of destination investments, if you will. But specific to Belize, I will tell you that what I have seen once the borders opened and you could come back in, travel has picked back up drastically. And thank goodness, because it is a country as a whole that depends primarily on tourism. Right. You know, tourism is their everything. And so then take that even a step further and come off the mainland and go to some of the surrounding islands. It's the lot, it's everyone's livelihood. And so you're supporting, you know, people to be able to go and, you know, you know, make their house payments because many of these folks don't own their own homes. They're renting, you know, and so outside from the heartstrings, we began looking at the business opportunity of buying land and, and building a development. And, you know, what does that look like and how can we do that? And you so much said very perfectly, you have to look at someone's track record and their experience. And it's really important that as you begin that journey to look at investing offshore, if you're going to get involved as some sort of a syndication, that you're involved with someone that's been there, done that, before in that area and understands the local market yep. and is connected to local government. Um, I was going to say that's really important. That's the, like that last piece, right? It's there's so many other variables that I think might be taken for granted here, like government. I mean, I think most people yeah. understand we need to pull permits for things. And, and then there's like city regulations and state regulations, but it's like a whole other world. 
in, yes. in other countries. And there's different kind of rules of engagement and a different relationship, I would imagine, between locals and locals and locals and foreigners. And yes. those are different waters to navigate. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, a little, I am not the complete expert there, but I sure. no, but just your experience, like even as I can. And, and with that question, again, I would say specifically to that, our development partner that we're involved with has been heavily entrenched in that market for many, many years and has, has those relationships and has a really um, solid track record. And so coming alongside this individual, they have had to understand who we are and trust who we are and vet that we are the people that we say that we are. And so that's a very important, important piece is that alignment. And so you've got to make sure that you're keeping up with you know the little the changes that are happening in the actual community that you're you know present that you know you maintain those connections that you maintain connections with the banks there and who's operating the banks because you know those relationships just like here in the US when we begin doing investments you need to have a really great relationship with your lenders you know, (laughs) even syndicating, you've got to have phenomenal relationships with your lenders. And so it, it transcends over across borders. You've got to be able to do the same thing. And there too, you have to build your team in that specific country. And you've got to have attorneys that you're working with and you're creating relationships with. It's, it's really no different. The relationships are key to any investment that you do here in the US, it's it's the same there. And then when your deal is done, you're still nurturing that relationship. Absolutely. It's it's not a one and done deal. It's it's a continuation of a relationship and a friendship. And you know, that goes years beyond because you have presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you find that that there's more interest? You said it was off the grid and now it's not. And I've been hearing Belize from multiple different people for many months, just out mm-hmm. of the blue, completely unrelated. When did Belize get on so many people's radars? And because you've been going for, for a while, starting as oh, tourism, yes. like what yes. changed? Like, why is it so interesting to people? Well, I think for a number of reasons, you know, one, it's incredibly beautiful and it has a diverse ecosystem. You know, if you're just kind of talking about what's happening there, you have the rainforest, you have amazing things to go see on the mainland. And then you've got the marine component. You've got the second largest barrier reef in the, in the world. And it's not that far from the U.S. From any given point, you know, where you fly from, you that, can like get a couple to hours or Belize so? City, even from LA, I think you can do it in about four hours, five hours. Oh, that's from really Houston, where I live, you can hop on a direct flight and it's about two hours and 20 minutes. Okay. So, so Very there's, close. you've got that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then, as I said, environmentally, what all you have going on and then the population is, is not really that high. And then, you know, it's a Caribbean island. So 
primarily you've got a language component where it's mostly an English speaking country, you know, which makes travel and communication easier for those individuals who are not bilingual, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you look at just the fact that you've got any number of chains moving on to Ambergus Key right now for developments, hotel chains, you know, so people are looking at, you know, there's only so much waterfront property available anywhere in this world. And when you factor in the beauty, the ease of transportation, it just makes the cost of property alone skyrocket. So what I've seen literally in the last, gosh, five, six years, really, where you you had water taxis, maybe seven years ago, water taxis. Now that's really almost non-existent. You've got golf carts, you know, everybody's got golf carts and, or you, you know, and, and, you know, or before the golf carts, a lot of people were, you know, riding bicycles. Well, you see that still, but not so much. And so it's just like those little evolutions that, that began changing, you know, and you see it and you go, oh, well, people love the old feel of, you know, it doesn't take me long to get here. And I'm like completely off the grid. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you still have that, but it's more commercialized, you know, a little more commercialized just because you've got the major chains coming in. Right. Not a Starbucks, not a McDonald's. You'll never see that kind of thing. I don't believe, but you, you know, you do have some large hotel chains. I see. I see. And, and do they take U S dollar? They do. They do take a U.S. dollar. Do they do that for property? Yes. Yes, they do do that for property. And so you can, you can do a transaction just like here where you're wiring dollars into a bank account and, you know, the transaction takes place. And if you have to have a note or you're financing another portion of, let's say, a deal. You're just working just like here in the U.S. with that lender to qualify for a loan. Right. You know, you have to submit a lot of documentation, and you know, just like here, it's this, yeah. it's the same thing. Surprisingly, and you just have to kind of be on your game and and have your follow up, and just just like here, you know, you have a you have a closing date, and you sure. you know. Yeah. It's really like here. So there's a commercial lending system there. It's not a a commercial lending system. It's just really with like the bank of Belize and, you know, their, their local banks that they, that they have there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I would imagine it's not as, as well developed as the commercial lending in the U S I mean, I think like globally, I don't know that there's another country that has such a commercialized lending, um, infrastructure, really a lot of countries don't that a lot of countries, people don't even think about putting debt on property. It's just not how they operate whatsoever, but obviously it's very prevalent here in the U S I feel like we don't even know how to do it without without debt. Like you're crazy. What are you talking about? You don't have debt on your property. <laughs> like, you know, we're just, we've just gotten so used to that. Right. Well, debt is not a bad thing. <laughs> oh, no, I know that's As a big know. lesson. That's a big lesson, you know, for, for people yeah. like, I know I was, 
I, I, well, there's certain debt like that I don't want, but debt on, on assets, this, this idea, right. We call it leverage, but also what leverage means is, is, is to, to, to have more using what you have and to, and to build. I mean, and if you can do that responsibly, there's, there's great returns to be, to be had there. So it's good to hear that, that, that there is that possibility to do also with local banks there, you know, in, in Belize are like, what are the interest rates like? Well, it kind of depends on your, it depends on your deal and it depends on, on your personal financial situation. And I will, I will tell you this without getting into too much detail that, you know, when we financed one of our deals, the, some of the criteria that they look at, look at is a little bit, I'm getting a little tongue tied, a little bit different. For example, you know, here, how you um, might be able to get into an opportunity to take out, let's say a 20 or 30 year note on something there. It's, it's not that way. They look at things like your age and your ability to pay your note back based on your on your, on your age and where they kind of see your lifespan, if you will. So kind of like an interesting little nugget there. So you don't necessarily, I'm in my, I'm in my fifties, you know, my husband is in his fifties. So, you know, it's not like you're going and getting a a note, a 20 year note. So, because they look at, well, are you still going to be alive when you're 78? (laughs) <laughs> they literally tie it to you. kind of there's like this calculation matrix and you know there were just some little idiosyncrasies like that and you know I would be I would be remiss if I you know said any more because I can't really tell you all those details sure, not sure. because I don't want to but because I don't know them but but yeah they look at things like that and it's like okay well this is a little different right. so yes it's very similar to here and documentation and bank statements and all this kind of stuff that you send in to qualify for a loan. But then, yeah, they look at, like here, someone's ability to pay it back, but they're looking at, wow, <laughs> it's a little interesting. It is. It's some. It's something yeah. it's got me. You don't think about, about that. No, I mean, I wouldn't have thought about that. So no. anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that makes sense. I mean, if it's not like in the structural system of how they operate, then I would understand that that is a real risk for them if I'm an underwriter and there isn't an established financial system based on debt like here in the US then then from a risk perspective that would make sense to me. So so I think your question was you were asking me like an interest rate and at that yeah. point in time when we locked in so let me go back and make sure I answer your question. Sure. It was like 10% which is higher than I mean even though interest rates are are moving back when we locked in um, that's what it was. And so, you know, you just have to be prepared for a little bit higher of an interest rate than maybe what you're accustomed to here. Yeah. So yeah. it's just part of it. Mm. It's just part of it. That's really interesting. It must change also, obviously, like how you model out your returns and your cash flow and your repayment and just the whole like the whole business plan around if you're purchasing, like you said, you purchased a property through, through Marriott, and now you're doing a workforce housing development, clearly two very different things. Also those in and of themselves. Yeah. And I think just like anyone who's building anything, the supply chain and how that's affecting 
you know, cost the delays alone for project product, but then the cost of the product, you know, so that has great impact. And so, you know, your whole performa completely changes. And so you have to, you have to be able to just really kind of pay attention and make sure that, you know, you're your idea at one moment in your plan for what you're doing, that it, you still can do it and bring a project to completion, yeah. you know, yeah. like here. And so what we've learned is you have to be able to shift and navigate a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So for example, you know, the project that we were looking at, we had desired with our plans to have a larger project. Well, now we've kind of shrunk our, our, our design plan. You know, we're not building as many, as many units, you know, so, but that's just part of it. You've just got to be able to roll with what's before you and, and make those numbers work like with any investment. Yeah. I was going to say it's pretty much with like, with that's universal. I mean, you know, (laughs) you've just got to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We found the same, even just doing any kind of small project around the house or remodel like that. It, it, even just a basic remodel, like we built, rebuilt the the front deck at this house that we moved Uh into. And because of supply chain issues, we couldn't find the materials that we needed. And so that changed the design and that changed like that. It changed a lot of things and that's on something really small, but you know, for like that even caused like a two month delay because then you have to go back to the drawing board and talked about my husband a lot on the show. I mean, he's an architect and works in commercial construction and is very skilled with Mm -hmm. this and he's very specific. And so he's like, well, no, I will not use, you know, plan B. I have to go design a whole brand new plan A again. And so it just, you know, then it just takes a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. So you know very intimately what I'm talking about, but but so does anyone that's doing any, any remodeling with someone who's in construction or is just trying to, to do um, a do it yourself project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. everyone's having to, to shift and just do things differently, but that's so much the world that we're in right now in every way that you can imagine. And so, you know, I just think real estate and investing and looking at opportunities to have passive income, you know, are, are really key. So whatever that asset class is or wherever your investments are, you know, just be looking at what, what your why is with that. That's very important. You know, it's like, what's your end game goal? Are you looking for passive income? Are you looking for generational wealth? Are you looking for an asset just to appreciate so that at some future set point in time, you can flip out of that and roll those dollars into something else? Is that a tax play? You know, what's your, what's your need those are all very important. So, so my suggestion on the international investing is really look at your why with your investment schematic, you know, and really where are you trying? Is it just that you have this desire to have something out there? And if so, that's wonderful, but be smart about what you're investing in. And if you're a risk taker, jump out there and do, do, do something risky and, you know, but be willing to maybe not have it work out. You know, you've got to be able to, you know, to, to play that game also. But I would, I would say that, what I'm seeing with, and like I said, there's only so much waterfront property 
you know, those properties are really increasing in value anywhere and everywhere, not just Belize, you know, what kind of, just to give people a, like a reference, like what kind of reference in pricing, like, like what's, what's that, what's waterfront going for in Belize? Well, if you're just talking about like land in general, raw land, again, depending on land size, if you're talking about maybe like what might be considered an acre of, of yeah. land. And so that could be different in exactly like what the measurement of the waterfront section. Yeah, but like ballpark, like roughly, like, I mean, there's not even land, there's not even oceanfront in the U S period. So I guess like, you know, like, because we know everything's really expensive in the U S right now. So if somebody's thinking like, well, I might want to diversify my real estate holdings. And I love this idea of lifestyle investing. It's actually something I'm personally like really looking towards longer term to, to own properties in different locations and like you to make an impact on the local community there through, you know, through being like a good person, a good investor, et cetera. But like from an investment perspective, like, you know, just like a ballpark figure, what would something like waterfront cost that you could develop on? Well, raw land, maybe without any utilities, water, electricity, anything like that, that's maybe been brought brought in, you might be looking and, and don't quote me on like an acre lot that Robin's saying that an acre lot can go for X number of dollars, but you could be looking anywhere from, let's say maybe $600,000 US wow. less than an acre, you know, like a small yeah. section strip, mm-hmm. um, little view to well over several million dollars. Oh, um, that's high. For, oh, wow. Or a piece of a piece of property, depending on the stretch. As I'm saying, you know, it, it's it's just like here when you're buying buying a home in a neighborhood. It's how your acreage is laid out. How much is, you know, is it is it property mm-hmm. that you can actually clear off? Is it or is it like mangrove? Sure. Is it that's waterfront? Right. You know, do you have to fill in that land? to create land a little bit. So it kind of depends on what you might be, Mm. what you're looking at and you might be able to get, okay. So several years ago, we were on a little boat ride and we were around the the far tip of Ambergris Key. And there was a piece of property over there, undeveloped, completely undeveloped, very raw, absolutely nothing, but it was waterfront. And at that time it was like, $375,000. And it was about half an acre, roughly. And when I say undeveloped, I'm talking about like water, electricity, those things were nowhere near being brought in to that, to that area yet. So then you have to kind of explore what does that look like? Do I need, you know, solar? Do I need what, you know, what, what, what does all that look like? to, to be brought out to that area. So, but that was 2018. Mm, So that's, that's where four years later. Yeah. Four years later. Yeah. So I hope that kind of gives you a point of reference. It does. Yeah. It's, it's, and and, I hope I haven't misquoted, but just with some things that I've looked at, you know, no, it's great. It's to look at future use. Where are the roads? You know, what's, what's the anticipated development around what's happening? Yeah. 
Yeah. That, I mean, that, like you just said it, right. It, it's, it's like anticipating the future. It's like any, it's like any development. It, it, if you can get into an area and be precocious and patient and know that there's development around an area, those are some of the best investments that you can make being early on having done your research to know that that is going to be developed and trusting in that. And then doing your part in, in it does mm-hmm. pay off. Um, yes. Long-term. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so, okay, well, this is so interesting. I'm, I'm really interested to, to learn more about, about Belize. So, so I, I would just share with you this for someone who is just wanting to get started, you know, and not want to deal with like house maintenance and all of those things that, that come into, like, if you were to buy like a single family residence there and just use it for personal use or have it set up in a rental pool, you have to think of all the maintenance. Where do you live and what's the headache factor? You know, because it is salt air, you know, you're looking at replacing air conditioning units and refrigerators and all of these sorts of things. And so I would say if somebody were looking to get involved in something and just it be sort of turnkey where you don't have to do much, I would suggest getting involved in some level of of a condo development or something like that, where, you know, those groups are already in place and can take care of those things for you without, and, and you have a minor fee that you pay. That's a great way to just get started in that area and, and see that it cash flows. It will still cash flow, even if you have a note. So, you know, that would be a great way to get started and just kind of understand the banking system and, you know, all of, all of that. Would you recommend that somebody take one, two, three trips to an area, spend some time there before making an investment decision? Well, certainly, um, you know, I, I certainly would, but if you, if you have an idea of what it is that you're looking there's so much research that you can do online, you know, without having to actually go take a physical trip, but you need to do that too. But, but I think there's nothing better than putting your feet on the ground and immersing yourself in a community and understanding having enough time to not just have the wow factor of this is really beautiful and I love this and this is like feels like vacation. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to go enough where it doesn't feel like vacation right. and you're looking at the community as a whole and what is it that again, what is it that you're trying to gain from this investment? Because there are different things that you want to look at, like how close is your investment property, let's say to the airport. Yeah, You know, because you want to look at the road development, the road development doesn't go all the way down the island. So if you've got paved roads for maybe four miles, let's say, and then beyond that, it's like rough caliche. I don't really think that's a good and wise investment. If you're looking for somebody that's just trying to go for a short weekend, right? It would be easy, easy travel. Right. So you don't have to think about, you know, those little those little yeah. things. Yeah. You know, yeah. That really well, play into it. Yeah. Oh, so much to think about. I'm really intrigued now about. So maybe what we need to do is we need to set up a discover Belize trip. Yeah. 
individuals that would be interested in going. Anyone who wants to go discover Belize, shoot me an email and we'll make it happen. And I am we not will. kidding. I am we will not kidding. That. We will do that. That would be a lot of fun. But what? definitely, I definitely think you need to go. People need yeah, to go see interior, you know, the interior portion of the island, but get on a boat and go around and see, see what's happening. And then the aerial views too. There's a lot happening. Mm, amazing. Lot. Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Robin, there's one more question I yes, wanted to ask yes. you before we wrap up in that Absolutely. is, um, what does wealth mean to you? Oh gosh. Mm. It's meant a lot of different things through the years. Right now I'm in a season of life where I'm looking at generational wealth that goes into perpetuity beyond me and my direct adult children. I'm looking at those generations beyond myself. And so I'm looking at different investment strategy in my financial schematic on how to make that happen. But I'm also want you to know that wealth to me is not like just dollars. I feel incredibly wealthy in so many ways with, you know, assets like my, my friendships, you know, that's wealth. I look at myself as being a wealthy woman because of the mastermind groups that I'm involved in. That's wealth and tapping into the intellectual property of other intelligent and brilliant women and men. And, you know, I've, I have a real passion for, you know, developing the, the mindset and skill of women and investing. And so that's, that's wealth because I want women to be able to make financial decisions, have the, have the knowledge, but have the confidence to be able to make a decision. You know, those are two different things. You can have the knowledge, but unless you've got the confidence and you take action, that's a whole nother deal. And so that's wealth to me. And then to see, you know, you know, the, what's the word I'm trying to say, you know, how we've poured into the lives of our children, you know, with education and modeling, I'm not talking about, you know, going to college and getting a degree. I'm talking about the financial education that you don't get in school, anywhere, you know, how they use that and do something with it. So that's wealth. And that's sort of how I would define it. Maybe I've sort of cross-referenced myself too much, but I don't know, but, (laughs) but I find wealth to be more than, than, than dollars and more than, you know, cryptocurrencies and all that wealth is so many other things that make up a person. That's beautiful. I, I think you said it perfectly. Everyone has a different sense of, of what it is. And what's been beautiful is like, I've asked every guest, this is that everyone comes back and and they say, yes, money, but it's all of these other things that money enables or facilitates. And I think that shifts our relationship to money and to wealth. And then to me, it kind of reminds me that no matter what, even in like the, on the worst days, I'm always wealthy because I'm abundant in so many other things. And I think everything you said is just that. Exactly. Exactly. Money is just a vehicle, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but you've, you've, you've got to invest in those relationships or money doesn't do anything for you. Just doesn't. (laughs) I love that so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I love this conversation. I 
am going to go do so much research and talk to you. <laughs> and, and then if people want to do a discovery trip, I am not kidding. Let's you. figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I now I want to go to Belize. I love scuba diving. So uh -huh. I just have not been gone in years and years. Um, so it's just, yeah, I would love to love to do that. And yeah, just so much gratitude to you. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank and you. Thank you sharing. so much for yeah. the opportunity to just um, kind of share from my heart where our where and our why. So thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Real Wealth, Real Health. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and found it both informative and insightful. We welcome all your questions and your feedback about today's episode. And especially, we welcome your questions about specific topics that you would like us to cover. So shoot us an email at podcast at alphai.com. And if you have a moment, we really appreciate ratings and reviews as it helps us grow our online community and our interactions with you. And we'll also be linking to a number of relevant articles on topics that we might have touched on during our conversations. Some of them are broad, some of them are technical, but we're always aiming to provide information that helps you better understand the mechanics of building this healthy financial foundation, especially if you're looking to do this with real estate. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.